straight from the land of AMW, this is Burke Fengler. I might know something about that ring announcer. You're listening to Kings of the Ring. You're listening to the Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. Welcome to the Kings of the Ring, a fictional wrestling saga inspired by the real-life stories of the 1980s pro wrestling era, written and produced like an ensemble cast cable drama or a soap opera. We are once again featuring the guest voice skills of two awesome talents in the worlds of combat entertainment, RJ City, wrestling's raconteur, comedian, actor, host of WWE's WrestleMania After Dark show, and Cyrus Fees wrestling and MMA ring announcer seen around the world, as well as host of the In This Corner podcast, featuring Cyrus interviewing some of the biggest names in MMA history. RJ City is portraying Jimmy Buck this season, and Cyrus Fees reprises his role as Raphael Angel, now known by his original name of Kenny the Best West. Kings of the Rings intended for mature audiences. To run down what kind of filth we have to look forward to today, This episode will be rated M.A. for profanity, smoking, drug use, bloody violence, extremely graphic sexual descriptions, and sexually graphic scenes. Whoa, that sounds pretty good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. In Jefferson City, Missouri, Crusher Krawcheck sits on the stand in the large marble courthouse, staring down the lawyer while a judge and a jury of his peers listen to this final interrogation. Now, according to his attorney, Mr. Sluck exaggerated his injuries. Mr. Krawcheck was merely trying to frighten him and softened his punch. Which leaves us with two possibilities, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. On one hand, we have the bulldog that sits before you on the stand. One of the most naturally powerful individuals on the planet. I've shown you the film of him lifting hundreds of pounds of cold iron off the ground and the barbells above his head. The lawyer paces in front of the jury, looking each of them in the eye. I have shown you a grown man jumping off a ladder and landing on his stomach. And I've shown you the disturbing tape of him striking my client with the full force of his hand to teach a lesson that Mr. Sluck would not soon forget. Or, Mr. Krawcheck is not an athlete, and he is merely an actor. That these feats of strength were phony. Crusher Krawcheck glares at his own lawyer, fumbling around with papers, sweat pouring off his forehead, completely outmatched. That those barbells were were made of styrofoam. <laughs> the blood Crusher pounded from that giant's head was from a blood capsule. That everything done in the name of Crusher Krawcheck as a combatant is actually a fake. As a matter of fact, I think we can boil all this down to one question. The lawyer slides his thumbs through his suspenders. And depending on how Mr. Krawcheck answers, Perhaps we can all be home in time for supper by simply admitting the phony and deceptive nature of your profession with this simple yes or no question. Crusher Krawcheck, 
I ask you now, have you ever thrown a soft, weak, phony, fake punch in your life? Everyone in the room tenses up and leans forward as Crusher looks his interrogator straight in the eyes. No. No further questions, y'all. Kings of the Ring, Episode 9, The Verdict. Julian Kane walks into Nigel's office, who's on the phone. Who is Apollo Sampson? Um, I'll have to call you back, Louis. Thank you. Nigel stammers. Um, I beg your pardon? Sylvester Stallone just called me to talk about Michael Angel's audition for the Rocky Four part. And he was under the impression I sent him two EWF wrestlers named Rykoff and Apollo. And he was blown away. Who is he talking about? these Toronto guys. Uh, no, uh, and I only sent Michael. Um, Rykoff is a new wrestler in Atlanta for, for <clears throat> uh, Daniel Hawkins at SCW, and Apollo works for Bert Ironside in, in Dallas. What? Why were they there? I don't know. Uh, they must have heard about the audition from somewhere else. Uh, ah, Jimmy Buck. Jimmy Buck is working on an angle with Jesse James in Atlanta. He and Sly run in the same circles back in Hollywood. Uh, must have heard he was looking for someone to play Ivan Drago and told Rykoff about Jimmy Buck the Comedian? You guys talking about Apollo Sampson? Les Henderson stops in the hallway and leans in. Nigel cringes in anticipation of what Hendo's about to say to Julian. Boy, you should see this guy, Julian. He looks like a million bucks. He just worked diamond down of gold, tore the goddamn house down. He's tall, ripped up like a bodybuilder. All tan, gold, with this long blonde hair. The next Thor Hansen, I'm telling you. Julian's eyes turn black as he points to the door. Get the fuck out, Henderson. Yes, sir. I don't have time for Hendo's transparent loyalty to those Alliance fuckwads. But what the hell is happening with Michael Angel? Stallone said he completely shit the bed. A total nervous breakdown. I was just speaking with Louis. Michael no-showed Denver last night. Find out what's going on. I'm going to Connecticut for a very important meeting. Take care of this. Nigel smiles and after Julian leaves, wipes sweat from his brow as he worries about what's going on with Michael. I want to bring out the outlaw Jesse James. We all saw last week Jimmy Buck and his lawyer announcing that they have sued you and charged you for assault. Now what about... There's one thing my mama always knew about me, was that I am strictly business. When my baby brothers were playing checkers or marbles, I was tending to the horses, fixing fences on the land. With just me, my mama, and my baby brothers, there was no time for playing games for Jesse James. They pan to the crowd and you can see fans nodding their heads in agreement with their hero Jesse. Jimmy Buck. Appears you lack nothing more than to play games. Bring out that so-called lawyer, trying to make threats to me, serving me with papers. <laughs> it's all a joke, all a game. Now I say we stop beating around the bush, Jimmy Buck, because you know and I know the only way for you to live out this fantasy of being a real wrestler, it ain't mixing it up with some housewife by inviting you to prove to us you're more than just a wimp. How? At Wrestle America, 
at the Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina on the 4th of July. I'm inviting you, Jimmy Buck, to step into that ring against a real wrestler. Who? Yours truly. Jesse walks off, arm raised, triumphant. Jimmy Buck is at his pool in Hollywood, floating around on a giant inflatable duck. His lawyer, Duncan Brian Clark, on a chaise lounge in his brown suit in the background. You know something, Jesse James, when my manager, Morty, saw the vicious assault you perpetrated on me, he told me to stop this immediately. And that was my first thought, too. And then you challenged me to wrestle? Oh, forget about it. Morty was ready to revoke my passport and, and keep me out of the South. But then... I realized I've been wrestling those 300-pound chicks bigger than you, and I've been mopping the floor with them. So if I can lick them, I sure as hell can lick a big redneck like you, cowboy. You want a piece of me in Charlotte? Just show up at Wrestle America, and you can have the whole thing. In Hartford, Connecticut, Julian Kane is visiting with... John Snyder, the president of Hasbro Toys. Julian, I appreciate you coming out to see me, but uh, I have to let you know up front, we haven't changed our position. Hasbro still isn't interested in pro wrestling dolls. I know that, John. We signed a deal with LJN months ago. Our wrestling action figures are being loaded on the truck as we speak. That's your loss. But I came to talk to you about your idea. Oh? When Corporal Punishment first told me about your plans for him, I was so happy for him and wanted to be very encouraging and supportive. We talked for hours, asking him questions about this cartoon and toy line. I was truly rooting for him with all my heart. And then, we found out about the drugs. What are you talking about? Tragically, we found out Corporal Punishment is a junkie. He's not even a wrestler anymore because of this. No one will hire him. If there's one thing the wrestling industry has no tolerance for, it's drug use. Jerry? So hard to believe. Yes, shocking indeed. But I'll confirm by EWF company doctor, Hunter Bilson. You can ask him. I hope he can turn his life around. Absolutely. But John, this chapter doesn't have to end on a sad note. As I told you over a year ago when we first met, my vision for Empire Wrestling is large and all-encompassing. And when I heard your ideas for Jerry, I just had to pay my respects. To combine a toy line with a cartoon, with a live theatrical product like wrestling? You're a genius. Oh, come on now. I wouldn't say that. He's one of the boys in marketing. Well, you had to approve it, didn't you? Yes. You had the vision the foresight to see what a gold mine that would be. Yes, uh, I did. Thank you, Julian. Because the only thing that screwed that up was one loser. But that doesn't mean the idea is dead. No, uh, I guess it doesn't. What did you have in mind? After Empire Mania, companies and people just came out of the woodworks. And this one hackneyed company came to me with a proposal for a cartoon based on my wrestlers. But honestly, 
The entire idea was the shits, and I don't want to do it. They wanted it to star EWF wrestlers, but they'd be like regular people, having car races, coaching baseball teams, weddings, working at hotels. I mean, what the fuck is that? Let me ask you, what's the hottest boys toy in the market in 1985 other than G.I. Joe and Transformers? Hey man, that toy is selling like hotcakes. Wouldn't you like to stick it to those motherfuckers at Mattel? Yeah! Do you know what the biggest weakness with He-Man is? Mr. Snyder shakes his head. He-Man isn't real. He's a drawing on a piece of paper. Thor Hansen is real. Flesh and bone. A child can see him talk on TV. Can see him in an arena with their own beady little eyes. Take those ideas you had for corporal punishment and put them on the American Viking, Thor Hansen. I saw him in Rainbow. He was good. He wasn't good. He was fucking amazing. Yes. Make that cartoon, but with Thor Hansen and his friends, every Saturday morning or even after school. But none of this Adventures in the Clubhouse shit they tried to sell me. So you are going to make Adventure Toys. Thor Hansen and his freedom fighters. Or how about Thor as a futuristic sci-fi adventurer like He-Man. Take Mattel on head-to-head and let Thor kick He-Man's ass. And with a fleet of Hasbro toys to keep the adventure going on in your imagination. John Snyder, you've done it again. How did you just do that? <laughs> well, thank you. John shakes Julian's hand heartily. Would you care for a cigar? I would love a stogie. John holds open a wooden box and Julian pulls a cigar out and runs it along his nose to smell it. Have you seen Cats yet? The Broadway musical. Julian snips off the end of the cigar as Snyder hands him a heavy silver lighter. I have not. I was anxious to see what all the hype is about, but could never get tickets. I was gonna take the missus to see Cats at the Garden Theater tonight. But she got the flu. I spent a small fortune on those goddamn tickets. But she's a stubborn old whore, and she ain't budging. Julian, my friend, how would you like to take these off of my hands? I would love to. Backstage at the Chase Hotel in St. Louis, Johnny Dreyfus in his thick maroon cotton trunks, navy blue wrestling boots, and no knee pads scratches his graying head as he looks over a scribbled format sheet Crusher Crotcha gave to him. While the 50-year-old Dreyfus can be trusted to run the locker room while Crusher Crotcha is in court, he can't help but be distracted by what's going on at the courthouse. But the show must go on. All right, kitty, you're up. You're gonna cut a promo to set up you and Jay in the Indian strip match at the keel. It's gonna be big. We really need to put butts in the seats for this. You get it? The best, Kenny West, nods as he steps out to be interviewed at the podium for Heartland Pro Wrestling TV. Tomahawk Indians, your major mistake was even looking in my general direction. Pay close attention, cameraman, because the best in the business is talking. And I want you to zoom in close on the handsomest face in wrestling because I'm going to take Jay Tomahawk down memory lane. 
I took your strap, your own Indian strap, and whipped your brother like the dog that he is. Sent him back to the reservation where he's going to live the rest of his life as a has-been drunk. And now you're challenging me to an Indian strap match? Well, I got two words of advice for you, Daddy. Get out. You two are just stepping stones to my insatiable greatness. And that means the Central States Championship, which will one day be around my washboard stomach. Because I am the best, Kenny West. Kings of the Ring will return after these messages, dude. It's under attack! It's under attack! The G.I. Joe headquarters is under attack! This is it, the G.I. Joe headquarters, and there's never been a command post like it. Man the battle tank! A real American hero! I've located Cobra! We've captured a Cobra officer! Put him in the stockade! Way to go, Joe! Fire! We chased off Cobra! We saved the G.I. Joe headquarters! G.I. Joe Headquarters. All figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. Tim Hirschner of Cincinnati loves his Honda Civic wagon because he can fill it up with everything he needs to fill up his hot air balloon and still have room for the balloon. The Civic Wagon. It's a lot bigger than it looks. We now return to Kings of the Ring. Rick Sawyer drives his big blue Oldsmobile through the back roads of Alabama in the middle of the night. Boxcar Bill is up front with Tiger Warren and Apollo Sampson in the back seat. Hey Tiger, get Mark a beer. Hey, it's Ian, not Mark. Uh, oh, I get it. No thanks guys, uh, no beer for me. Apollo passes up gold cans of Miller beer to Boxcar up front. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting one to keep that flat feminine waist of yours. The beers don't fit in his diet. Right, fellas? Boxcar opens his beer. Come on, brother. Get a break. You're right, Boxcar. Shouldn't be giving the kid so much heat. After all, he is our champ. He should probably be sitting up here where... Damn it, Tiger. Quit kicking the back of my seat. Fuck you, Brick. There's a lot of shit back here. They got big legs. You keep fucking with me, and I'm gonna teach you some manners. Anyway, you guys are gonna love the rats I found in Dothan. Nice and juicy. I seen the girls you're with, Boxcar. No thanks. Tiger, said to quit digging your fucking knees into my back. Fuck you, I'm not doing shit. Apollo freezes up, getting more and more uncomfortable in this car. I remember I was in Dothan years ago. This shit shack by the stone's throw from the arena. This rat had no teeth, so I'm starting to get horny already. Then I lay my eyes on her daughter, and I'm like, Hey, Loretta, how old is she? See, Apollo, you're gonna need to know this shit. The legal age of consent in Alabama is only 16, which is why I like working these shows as opposed to Louisiana and Texas, which is 17. Go on, ask me a state, and I'll tell you what the age of consent is. Um, do I have to? Go on, ask me. Fucking warn you, Tiger. Brick pulls the car over to the side of the road near a field. Get the fuck out. Gotta stop. Just take it easy. Apollo watches from the window. Brick and Tiger circling each other with their dukes up and start punching each other on the side of the road. Anyway, I like Birmingham too. One time, this rat was yanking on my dick like she was pulling taffy. You ever been up to New Jersey at the shore? 
where they pull that saltwater taffy. I worked for Jonathan Kane when I was young. They pull this taffy from this big drum. Should we get out and stop them? Eh, don't worry, brother. It's a long road from Mobile to Dothan. They just blowing off steam. Apollo looks out and sees Tiger on the ground, while Brick repeatedly punches him in the face. Holy shit, I, I gotta stop this. Hey, die, brother. I gotta tell you about Birmingham. So this girl's pulling on my dick like taffy, while her friend is sticking her fingers up my ass. And I don't mean just a poke. I mean she's grabbed me like a bowling ball and squeezing. Apollo is sweating in place as he sees Brick standing, choking Tiger out in a sleeper. Meanwhile, Roscoe Perez on the other end of the bed. Nothing Roscoe likes more than a hairy lady. And I don't just mean pussy. I mean armpits, hairy legs, the whole nine yards. Apollo is scared for Tiger and also doesn't want to hear the end of Boxcar's story and grabs the handle when Brick looks back at Apollo and stares at his eyes with an intense look like the alpha of a wolf pack. Apollo recoils and sits back in his seat. But I've never seen that much semen in my life. Must have been a world record if they keep track of such things. Apollo turns as Tiger slumps in the back seat, groggy, and grabs a fresh beer while he sulks. You boys hungry? I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll eat. I think there's a Waffle House about 10 miles up the road. Apollo can't read Tiger if he's still pissed or he already moved on or what. He looks up to see what Brick is doing, and Brick is already glaring at him in the rearview mirror, as if he was letting him know what could happen to him. And Apollo quickly looks out the window. Michael Angel wanders the streets of San Francisco at night. Giant's cap pulled on tight to hide his face, but you can't hide this massive body. He stumbles around, pulls another slug from his bottle of Old Crow in a paper bag, as he passes by an old couple on the way out of a restaurant, trying to wash out the memories, the images of his family, his father, this Apollo Samson. Michael is trying to get to the only place he feels at peace when he feels absolutely nothing, numb. He ends up in a dimly lit park as he rests at a bench. Doesn't take long for Michael to spot an attractive young man walk by in the moonlight. The young man looks back at Michael, checking him out, and they make eye contact. They don't have to say anything, they just know. This non-verbal communication is second nature to Michael, as he's been doing it for years working matches in the ring, instinctively knowing what his opponent will do it can't be taught, it's just something you have, and it develops over years, just like now. With one glance, these two know what's next. He fumbles in his pocket and finds one last quaalude pill and washes it down with his bourbon as he gets up to follow him. The young man walks slow enough to be followed, but fast enough to be chased. This excites Michael. He gets deeper in the park, and the young man approaches a public restroom. He looks back one more time at Michael before entering. Michael enters the shelter and can already hear the moans of other men in the shadows, in the stalls, in the sink. He walks through and sees the man he followed here, leaning against the back wall, waiting. Michael approaches him and he glides his hands across Michael's muscular chest and puts Michael against the wall 
and unbuttons his pants. Michael takes another slug from his bottle of Old Crow and leans back, feeling the pain go away into nothing. Freeze! Nobody move! Hey, what are you guys doing over there? Come here, you. Should have run away faster like your girlfriend. Holy shit! You know that guy from TV? He's a pro wrestler. This Michael Angel. You're gonna choke on that million. What? Daniel Hawkins snaps too, sitting at a table in the dressing room of the Richmond Coliseum in Virginia. Brutal Bob Walker is with him, and Jesse James, of course. Who should wrestle Jesse and Charlotte? Jimmy Buck or Vladimir Rykov? I, I don't know. <laughs> Will either match sell out a stadium like this, Jesse? The rent on this place is outrageous. Insurance for having fans on the field and those fireworks? Plus bringing in David Allen Coe? This is a lot of money. Don't worry, Danny boy. We will make a lot of money. What if we don't? We've never drawn more than 18,000 fans to any CWA event ever. This place seats over 30,000. Well, this ain't the CWA. Well, CW never did either. Listen now. Me and Jimmy Buck alone is gonna be the money match. You've both seen the reactions Jimmy Buck gets from those crowds. Uh, hey, he's the hottest heel in the business right now. Am I right? Yes, he is a lot of heat, but is he a draw? This has been building for a while now, and 4th of July is the payoff. Your show is called Wrestle America. Should be working a foreigner, not a comedian. Put some kind of angle together for the bigger Rykoff. That's your money. We ought to spend months setting up me and Jimmy Buck. That's the match. Hawkins reluctantly accepts. Well, if you're going to make that mistake, at least fix it by putting the Russian with Diamond Donnie in the main. That makes sense. Put the Russian in there. Wrestle America. Donnie can carry him to a decent match. Uh, He pulled it off of that ugly mustache guy over in Dallas. Now you two are starting to talk sense. But you got the wrong guy. The way I look at it, the event, the pageantry, the country music, me and Jimmy Bug is going to sell the house which gives us an opportunity to make somebody with the Donna Gold match. The big hefty Native American Waylon Thorpe walks over as he tapes his wrist. Sorry, Daniel, I heard what you're talking about. Give me the spot, Jesse. I'm long overdue. Me and Donnie Gold in the main event. You promised me a run, brother. <laughs> You'll get your shot one day, Waylon. You have my word. It's not this show. I'm going to hold you to that, cowboy. The good-natured Waylon smiles as he goes back. The guy I'm looking at to make is Bo Riggs. He's been working Barrel Lovelace for weeks now. He's really getting over. He is. He's a good little worker for being that green. It's also a, a low-risk test for the future. We need to stop planting seeds. Not only as a long-term opponent for Donnie, but even a future world champion. You saw what happened last year when Donnie flew the coop. We were left with nothing and I had to take over the belt. But that was never the plan. Let's give this Bo Riggs a shot and see how the people respond. Okay, I trust you, Jesse. Hawkins concedes, but thinks about putting a rookie in the main event of their biggest show of all time. Can't help but worry if Julian's premonition is going to come true. Hollywood buddy Melrose stares at the kitchen phone, smoking another cigarette and looking at the clock, pacing in his kitchen. Smoking it down as low as it can go, he snuffs it out and 
picks up the receiver and stares at it. Oh, now you call me? What do you want? Charlie, I need to tell you something. What? I met with Julian Kane in New York City. He wants to bring me in. What, and you're calling to gloat? No, Charlie, just the opposite. I wanted to tell you I turned him down. Because I will always be loyal to AMW. Sure you are. You're so low, you flew out to New York City, living it up, uh, going to ballet and Broadway. You didn't think I'd find out? Charlie, that, that's not what I want. I made my choice, and I want to work with you. But you have to let me back in. Buddy Melrose, I knew I made the right decision when I fired you. No, please, don't. You have revealed your true colors. You shouldn't have even taken the meeting. If you let me explain, I can tell you- There's nothing to explain. You broke my heart. You took it and you squashed it like nothing. Buddy stands in the kitchen, staring at the receiver. Yup. That's exactly what would happen. In the luxurious Garden Theater in New York City, Julian Kane immaculately dressed in his tuxedo, stops in the heavily polished black marble restroom to powder his nose. He feels like he's been zapped with lightning as he shakes his head and wipes the remnants of this sweet cocaine into his teeth as he looks at himself in the mirror. Julian Kane, is that you? By jail, I think you're right. Julian Kane turns as two similar-aged men approach, also in tuxedos. Stuart Flaherty and Matthew Rogers. It is you, JC. How the hell are you? They shake his hand. Hello, Julian. Surely you have enough there to share with a couple old chaps from the old Harvard B school? Go ahead, I'll, I'll cut another line. Julian offers his rolled-up $20 bill and immediately wishes he had used one of his hundreds. Yeah, thank you, old boy. I have my own. Stuart pulls a golden straw out of his inside pocket. Out here to see cats, eh, Julian? Did the missus drag you out here by the ball? Ah, uh, yes, my first time. It's quite amazing. If you have time for me, and it gets more boring every time. Matthew bends over and takes his turn. Oh, come on, this shit is baby powder. After all these years, you still can't get your hands on good coke? Let me introduce you to my guy. Finest powder straight from Colombia. I mean, like, from a warehouse in Medellin, straight to my Nigerian oak coffee table. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I got this from, my secretary or something. So, what became of you, Julian? Didn't your father own a carnival or the circus or something? He owned the Empire State Wrestling Federation. Oh, yes, I remember. Didn't they arrange to have people in the audience wrestling bears or something absurd like that? Looks like you've come full circle, eh? Here you are a year later, watching people dressed up as furry cats. <laughs> so where do you work now, Julian? I heard you ended up at Merrill Lynch. Um, uh, no, I, I own my father's wrestling company now. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, old pal. You should join me at J.P. Morgan. They're always keen to take on more Vardians. J.P.G.? Please, Julian, you should bring your CV to E.F. Hutton. Please, Stuart. No one is listening. <laughs> Actually, I'm uh, doing quite well with the Empire Wrestling Federation. It's the largest wrestling league in America. I'm dwarfing what my father did. 
We tour nationwide. Well, good for you, Julian. When life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. That's what I always say. <laughs> they get back into the hallway, walking as Julian tags along behind. Do you know how Patrick Bateman is doing? Bateman's doing quite well. He's working at the Treasury since Reagan's re-election. He was just in town last week at the Hollingsworth Social so the Sam Hollingsworth Social Society? You two are members? Um, yes, Julian, we are. Uh, I apologize. I spoke out of turn. I shouldn't have. Well, not at all. Uh, who else is there? Any Dale chaps from B-School. Paul Allen, Marcus Halberstram, even some Yaleys and Tigers. I guess they let anyone in these days. Well, you'll have to see about me then. It's about time I rejoin the old Harvard gang here in Manhattan. Oh, Julian, I was joking about letting in anyone. Sam Hollingsworth Social Society is the most prestigious club in Manhattan. The Empire Wrestling Federation is a national entertainment company. You've seen my video on MTV about feeding the kids for Africa. Just today, I just closed a deal with Hasbro Toys. We're developing an entire cartoon show around my wrestlers. Yes, it all sounds quite amusing. But the Hollingsworth Social Society has a certain reputation. It's the upper crust of the elite. Manhattan's business owners, tenured professors, hedge fund CEOs, the titans of finance. Listen, I've turned my father's promotion into a multi-million dollar corporation. I've earned my spot. I want my membership. If you'll excuse me, I seem to be getting a call. Julian pulls out a brick from his pocket, an early model cell phone. Look at you, Julian, with all the mod cons. Stuart and Matthew giggle with each other as they grab champagne off a counter. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Julian, I have some news. Nigel, is that you? Yes. I'm in the middle of something. This better be important. It is, Julian. I've located Michael in San Francisco. But he's in trouble. Serious trouble. Oh, no. What did he do now? Julian looks up at Stuart and Matthew and turns his body so they can't hear anymore. He was cottaging. What? Um, uh, you call it tea-rooming in the States. He was... Drinking tea? What the fuck are you talking about? Julian, he was in a bathroom in a park where men meet to have anonymous sexual encounters. Oh, shit. Julian, he called me from jail. They arrested him. I did what I could, but if this was Dallas or LA, I'd know people on the force, but San Francisco, we have to do something. All right, Nigel. Meet me at the airport. I have to stop at the house first. He turned the large cell phone off. Is everything all right, Julian? What's happening? Julian, embarrassed to reveal the truth. Uh, it's nothing, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to miss the second half of the show. I need to find my wife and get out of here. Well, good to see you again, Julian. Good luck with your little cartoon show, yes? And talk to the board. I should be a Hollingsworth member at this point. Well, can't promise you anything, old pal. But I will certainly bring your name up at Hollingsworth. That is a promise. <laughs> As Julian turns away to look for Sarah, he doesn't notice Stuart Matthew far behind him, laughing. Crusher Krawcheck stares off into space as he stands at the behest of the judge who signals the jury to read their verdict. Michael Sluck stands as well, unable to stand still, fidgeting in anticipation. In the civil case of Michael James Sluck versus Carl Cornelius Krawcheck, 
We, the jury, rule in favor of the plaintiff and for Mr. Krawcheck to pay Mr. Sluck the full sum of $2 million. Michael Sluck stands up in celebration as Crusher puts his forehead on his hand, wondering what the hell he's going to do now. There you have it. Last episode before the big finale. This week's deleted scenes were Sylvester Stallone calling Julian Kane about the Rocky Four auditions and Shark and Buzzsaw getting all emotional working at their hometown arena for the first time. If you are listening to the Patreon Extended Edition, I hope you enjoyed those two scenes. If you did not hear them, then you're listening to the standard theatrical edition available on all podcast apps. And you are cordially invited to visit patreon.com slash kingsotr to get full access for only a few bucks. You'll also get to hear Breaking Kayfabe, the behind-the-scenes director's commentary podcast exclusively on Patreon, so you can hear the Easter eggs and inspiration for each of the episodes. Kings of the Ring is primarily a listener-supported show, so I want to thank our top guys of Patreon, American Travis, Michael Sluck, Jeremiah DeBolt, Sam Hollingsworth, Zach Like, Justin Taylor, Russ Linderman, Duncan Clark, Yosemite Smith, John Johnson IV, Tusi Mailo, John Snyder, Randy Larzelier, Dom Rose, Matthew Rogers, and Stuart Flaherty. That's right, Matthew and Stuart, the two assholes from Harvard Julian Kane used to go to school with. Biggest perk to being a top guy or top girl is we will use your name for a character in the Kingsverse, plus early access and all the other stuff. So thanks so much, patrons, and if you're not one already, I hope you become one.